Thank you for joining us for the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. And remember, if you are ever in our area, please stop by. We'll make you feel right at home. Now, let's join Pastor George Logan for today's message. So, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to First Scripture, Mark chapter 11 and verse 22. Mark eleven twenty two. Now let me ask, and this is, I'm not going anywhere with this other than to make an observation because I, I have learned to be very grateful for everything that I've gained um, uh, in my walk of faith, um, even from childhood. So I don't, I don't say this to put any, any one down or any, organization down. But how many of you grew up learning about the power of confession? How many of you grew up? I mean, I'm talking about from a child, from the, your childhood rearing, learning about the power of the tongue in, in, the, in the church. As a child, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about as a child growing up, learning about the power of the tongue and, and the power of faith. How many? We had one person raise their hand, two people. Okay. So, so the vast majority of us did not hear teaching, line upon line, precept upon precept, teaching on the power of our words. And it being so vitally important, maybe even the most important, yet we didn't, we didn't hear anything about it. We didn't hear teaching on it on a regular basis. Um, now, I'm sure that people uh, alluded to it, maybe even talked about it, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, I beg to differ. Most wars have started out by words. You don't just wake up one day and want to fight somebody, go to war with someone. Those are, are developed thoughts. Thoughts are, words are thoughts articulated. Right? Right? Speech? Right? Right, exactly. They're, they're, they are Thoughts is how, we, is how we communicate what our thoughts are. If we had thoughts and no way of communicating them, then uh, they, they, would, they would actually die within us. But, but I didn't grow up with it. And, and I grew up in a wonderful, godly, committed um, um, a background of people who I truly believe love God and were committed to the things of God. And, and some of those people are are still living today and, and love God. And, uh, but, but as a whole, uh, we didn't learn teaching on that. And I, and I, I attribute that to the, the work of the enemy, trying to keep that away from us. I don't, I don't want them to learn these things. And so that's important that we learn how to use our words to our advantage because they, they work for us or not. So Mark 11 verse 22 says this, so, so um, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith for assuredly or certainly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So the key there, one person said it like this, uh, however many times um, 
uh, you see the word say, which I think is about three to one ratio to belief. So about a, uh, one would say it like this, and, and you can't be really dogmatic about it, but it's a one man's opinion that um, you need to say it three times more in order to believe it once. You need to say it more times, three times, a ratio of three to one in order to, to, to believe it and for it to work for you. And so this is, a, this is a law here. I said a principle last week, one in the same, but it's a law. It's the same as gravity or anything else. Uh, this law of confession, the law of confession, the law of saying it. What you believe in your heart and say out of your mouth will come to pass. And even when we have doubts, the doubts that we have uh, are formulated in words. And so those doubts even actually come to pass. Because we believe the doubts in our hearts. We believe it. So the key really is not necessarily what you say, but what you believe in your heart and you say. But if you say it long enough, you'll start believing it in your heart. That makes sense? I'm grateful that not everything we say will come to pass. <laughs> Aren't you all? I'm glad that not every knucklehead thing I've said in my life will come to pass. I'm grateful for that. Because, I, I, you know, there's, I've said some, some, some not so good stuff in my life. But I'm glad that it had to find a place of getting in my heart. So you learned it long enough and you start believing it. Um, uh, and I don't really know the story behind, um, what's the lady's name? Uh, Patty, um, Patty the, the woman who did all of the killings. And the, I mean, well, not a lot of killings, but she was involved in a, in a robbery. And, and Yeah, Patty Harris. Um, and at some point, and, and I, you know, maybe she was already messed up when she got in this. But, but through, I think, hearing the propaganda that she was up under, it, it kind of, whatever swing she had, it made her get their full belief. And I believe probably at some point she began to say what she believed. And eventually it, it affected her behavior, it affected her actions. So... We're going to see some scriptures today, positively, negatively, how our words affect us. So let's go to James chapter, and we're just going to stay it. We're going to hang out here, maybe, maybe this Sunday, maybe another Sunday, I'm not sure. But um, look at these scriptures here. Look at, first of all, James chapter 3. It says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers knowing that he shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Now notice the connection between if a man does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Is there a connection between our words and bridling the whole body? I believe there is. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Now, think about it in this way. How critical a no or, or a yes is. A person can say no, and it can bridle the body. A person can say no or yes, and it can, it can cause the body to go forth. If a man is perfect in his words... There are people who are living with a lifetime of resentment 
and, and are living with things that they did not want to live with because they either said yes or they said no to something. There are people who said yes to drugs and it greatly hurt their lives. Everybody starts at some point. So if a person is confronted with drugs, let's say, and, and they're in the midst of people who are, are doing drugs, and they say, no, my mama and daddy told me to leave if they start talking about drugs, then that bridles their body, and it controls them. It takes them out of something that could potentially ruin their whole lives. Now, I don't want to look around here and find out how many people done experimented with drugs. But at some point, you didn't always experiment. You didn't come out of the womb experimenting with drugs. Right? There was some time you said yes to it. Or alcohol, or sex, or, or anything that's, that, that can hurt you. But it started out with an agreement with your tongue and your body followed suit. Or our bodies followed suit. Says if any man is perfect in word, he's able to bridle his whole body, keep his body out of some mess, keep his body from doing some things, going some places, and saying some things that he shouldn't do. For instance, let's say that a person has got a, 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 a has been done wrong in some way, and and um, let's say that that uh, he wants to get vengeance, or that person wants to get vengeance, and so he's toying with the thoughts. Toying with the thoughts, toying with the thoughts, toying with the thoughts. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm going to get them. I'm, I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them. And they go out and they do some, some violent deed. Maybe hurt the person or may possibly even kill the person. And now they're spending the next 30 years of their life, 40 years, maybe even a lifetime, in prison based upon the inability to bridle, inability to bridle their body through their words. That's how critical it is for us to understand the power of words, the power of tongue. We license our body to go forth and to do based upon what we say, every thing begins with a word, by and large. All right? So why are we doing this? Why, why are we talking about this and why we, we are, are, are speaking? Because we want, God says, I want to give you the keys to success. And the keys to success is through our words, our ability to speak life to our lives. So, so if a man is perfect, and that's what we're, we're seeking forth is to bring perfection to our tongues. I want, I, want to, I, want to, I want my tongue to begin to work for me. Let's look at some more scripture here. Let's finish this one out first. It says, for he who stumbles in many things, if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by 
a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so the tongue, even so the tongue, even so the tongue, even so the tongue is a little member, but it boasts great things. Wow. Wow. Means that we can change the direction of something. We can change the way it's going. You know, uh, um, I got... And I'm, I'm, I'm recruiting also others to do the same. But yesterday I had, a, I had an experience. It was actually somewhat enjoyable. Um, somewhat. It'll be more enjoyable once I get used to it. But I went rowing. Like rowing. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm contemplating being on a rowing team. No. Yeah, rowing. So, so can't, can't get out there and play a lot of basketball no more. So I'm gonna start rowing. And so we were on this team, on this pretty much a trial run for me. And we were out at Lake James, and we were riding along. And and without without me knowing how it was happening, because I couldn't see behind me, it kept going in different directions. At one point, I was like, I wish they would direct it back to the to the place we started at. <laughs> we're out here in the middle of the lake now. I want to go back. I was looking for the tugboat. Like, where's the tugboat? Where, where is he at? He's got to be here somewhere. And, and they were talking about, well, how many of you want to, how many of you need to get back? I didn't say I did, but I wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to get back. And so we had a, a time that we needed to get back. But here's my point is that we were all rowing on both sides. We had, it was a, uh, everybody has a paddle. And it's not one of those kinds of rowing. It's one of those, you got two people on one, one seat and both of us are rowing. And, and so it was just, they knew where we were going. I did not know where we were going. I just know we were going out to the middle of the lake. And then somehow it just kept on turning and kept on turning. And eventually we made a full circle and we came back to where we started from in about an hour's time. Now we need more men, so I'm recruiting I think I got one this morning. I'm recruiting a few more. But, but, so we're very open to that, okay? Lenny. Other, other men. Um, but, but the point I'm making is that something was guiding us. A rudder. A tongue, as it were. And it took us where we wanted to go. It was very, very intentional. And it had a destiny in mind. And it took us there. All we provided was the power. All the body provides us is the, the power to take the tongue where it wants to go. Is everybody with me? All right. So, so he uses that as, a, as, as an example of the power of the tongue. See how great the forest, the little fire kindles, verse, um, verse 5, the latter part of verse 5. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Now, this has just struck me. How many of you know that animals don't talk? Parakeets don't count. They don't count. They're just repeating. 
It's they're not coming out of, so they don't count. What? 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 A giraffe? What is that? Well, you raise your hand. Oh, oh, you, oh, y'all were responding to the question. Dog, I didn't realize that. I thought you were saying, no, I know an animal that does talk. Okay, so I, I apologize. Okay, all the, all the hands of the kids went up. We, we know. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? So, so listen to me. I think it was very strategic of God to not allow animals to talk. Because she knew the very moment animals begin to talk, they'll begin to stake their own way. They'll begin to do what they want to do. Because they're now talking. Animals are instinctive. They have a, a system, I think, on the inside of them that makes them hibernate, come back, do what they do. Right? They're, they're, they're somewhat programmed, as it were. Can, can we agree somewhat on that? I mean, I'm not speaking as an as a, uh, as expert in this. I'm just thinking that that's why God said, because, man, a couple of lions start to talk, man. They're like, let's go and um, raid, raid uh, uh, the village and kill all the people. That's a bad agreement, isn't it? But, it, but he said, the tongue is full of iniquity. Can you imagine if animals were able to talk and they were able to begin to, to do evil stuff? They only do things because they're protective of their environment. They're not like us. They don't kill just to be killing. There's something in them that, that causes them to have to kill or whatever. Well, what if they, were, what if they could talk and, and, and their tongues were a world of iniquity? on fire of hell could not be I think we'd be in a world of trouble but our tongues because we are free will people God had to give us the free will he couldn't program us he had to give us the right to say and do what we wanted to do to, in, to put into our system what we wanted to put, put it up because if he was programming, if he was the one who was responsible and in charge of all of that, then we would never go wrong. Right? Agreed? He gives us out of our free will to say or to, to deposit into our lives life-giving words or death-giving words. We choose. All right, Proverbs chapter... Um, Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs 18 and verse 21. This is out of the NLT. And, um, and so we'll read it out of that version. And we'll also read it um, potentially out of another version as well. Um, so in, in, in Proverbs 18:21. It says, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Have you ever wanted to just tell somebody, shh, cut it, stop, don't say nothing? There was a, there was a minister right before Kim and I left Los Angeles. And I won't go into uh, the name of the minister, but this minister 
was ministering one Sunday, and he was just ministering uh, something that was very, very um, uh, controversial. Thank you. Controversial. And you could, I could imagine him just sitting up there, and he was just sharing. And when we heard the cassette, back then it was cassette tapes. And when we heard the cassette tape, we were like flabbergasted, like, oh, my goodness, he did not say all of that. And guess what? While he was talking, his wife was doing this. Well, what he said, I don't know that his ministry ever recovered from it. And he did never really fully recanted. He never really fully recanted the, the words that he said. Even, even when our pastor, Dr. Price, came and, and he said, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to let it ride. And then when I have an opportunity to talk to, to them about it, because this, this, this ministry came uh, to, uh, to, uh, to Crenshaw after that. And so he left it alone until he had them in a car together. And he said, I said, I just need to know, bruh, do you, do you believe what you just said? What you said, what's on, on tape as you having said this. And so the person never, ever really, really recanted from it. And so that led Dr. Price to do, how long was that series? Two years, two or three years on race, religion, and racism. Because what the person was saying was very, very racially charged. And this was a person who had many, uh, a mixed congregation, many types of people were coming. But the statements that this person made was just, it, it just, and we, I, t I, st I still remember when we got the, we were, we were like, I can't believe it. But, but life and death were in the power of the tongue. And, and the wife was saying, stop. You need to stop. You, you better. And it, and it cost him. It cost him some people who had, who had invested in that ministry, who believed in that ministry, who, who thought the world of that ministry. Words. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who talk too much will suffer the consequences. And I'm thinking all of us have been in some place. We've, we've all been there. How many? I've been there. I talked too much before. I said too much. I had to pay for it. Our times I was like, if I had to just stop talking, or if I had to said something different. But the Bible tells us it's out of the abundance of our heart that our mouth speak. So whatever's in there, sometimes you just got to drag yourself away. Like, I'm about to say something. I need to just go. Walk yourself right on out of there. Otherwise, we get ourselves in big problems, big trouble. So life and death are in the power of the tongue. In New King James Version, it says it like this. 
So you can see different versions of it. It says, a man's stomach shall be filled, verse 20. A man's stomach shall be satisfied by the, from the fruit of his mouth. So here's the, the positive side of that. So it's a positive negative here. It says, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he will be filled. And then the back side of that is, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Are y'all with me? So he's not saying that we shouldn't talk. We just should. When we do talk, we should say the right things. Okay? We need to program our heart to say the right things. Okay? All right, let's look at some more scriptures here. Well, let me read it to you out of the Amplified as well. Verse 20. A man's stomach will be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. He will be satisfied with the consequence. He will be satisfied with the consequences, consequence of his words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it and indulge in it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. Now remember, this is Old Testament scripture, so what does that mean? Excuse me? It's before Jesus. Yet he's dealing with their hearts even before they're even unregenerate or they're re re regenerate. In other words, they're born again. So it does, it's not, these are not, that's why we call it a law. It works for whether you are born again or not. It's a law. It works for you. It's not, it's, see, we try to make it, God says my word is spirit and it's life. It, is, it doesn't say my word is religious and it's Christian no it's 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 life it, it it is we sometimes think that Christianity is in this bubble over here and everything over here in this bubble has nothing to do with the rest of the whole of life but it does everything in life he's teaching us in the Bible life skills not Christian skills, not Methodist skills, not Baptist skills, not non-denominational skills, not charismatic skills, not spirit-filled Pentecostal skills. He's teaching us life skills. Religion has us over here in a box and makes it look like something that is, God never intended it for it to be. If we could roll with Jesus, we'd say, wow, you don't seem like some of the stuff, you know, if we could just go back in time and just walk with him. You don't, you don't seem, you don't seem religious. He says, no, I'm against religion. Well, you, you, you don't change your voice when you talk. Well, I'm, why should I? I'm trying to teach you something. Everybody get it? This, we're teaching life here. That's what we're here for. We're teaching life. All right, let's look at some more scripture. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, he's teaching life. Say, Jesus teaches life. That's right. All right, look at some more scriptures. Let's look at um, Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs 6 and verse 2. It says, well, let's... Let, let's, let's <laughs> Listen to this. I, the, my subtitle on mine is, on the New Living Translation, it says, Lessons for Daily Life. 
Lessons for daily life. In other words, anyone can use these principles. You don't have to be Christian. Anyone. Matter of fact, I just heard a story recently. I heard a story recently. And in that story, the story was that the way someone came to Christ is they began to read the book of Proverbs. And it applied to life, just general life skills. And it, it, it said, well, this must, there must be some value in this. So listen to this, oh, excuse me, this life skill. It says, lessons for daily life. It says, my child, if you have put up security for a friend's debt or agreed to guarantee the debt of a stranger, if you have trapped yourself by your agreement and are caught by what you said, and are caught by what you said, follow my advice and save yourself, for you have placed yourself at your friend's mercy. How did he place himself at his friend's mercy? By his words. Right? How many have ever been into the, um, the car dealer and they're trying to make you a sell? They're trying to get you to buy a car. All they want is what? They want your money, but they got to get your they got to get your words first because they know if I can get your words, I can get your body, then I can get your money. Right? So they don't keep us on the line long enough to get our words. And notice they always look at the weaker link, don't they? If there's a husband and wife, who do they normally go to? The one that they feel like they can get to. Either one. It doesn't have to be husband. It doesn't have to be wife. It just, either one. They, they, they are professional sellers. And so they're looking at, okay, which one looks like they might just say something. That's why husband and wife need to be in what? Agreement. When they go in there, agreement. Like, you don't say nothing, I don't say nothing. We don't say nothing. Because the moment we do, we're probably going to leave there with a vehicle. Are y'all here with me? So he says the key to even getting in debt, any kind of debt, any kind of debt, not just financial debt, but debt, you know, you can get your debt in a business debt. A business, you can go contractually with someone and say, I want to be a part of your business, or I'm, I'm agreeing to be there, and, get you, and hang yourself that way. So it's important that we learn how to, how to the, the smart person is the person who holds back their words. The Bible even says it, it's better to be thought a fool than to open up your mouth and reveal, remove all doubt. <laughs> That's powerful. All right, listen. If you have trapped yourself by your agreement and you have caught up and you are caught by what you said, uh, amplifies it like this. If you have been snared by the words of your lips, if you have been trapped by the speech of your mouth, so it's talking about, again, the power of our words. How do we get trapped with our words? How do we, you know, I want to go to bed every night with peace on my heart. And the best way to do that is to have managed my words well that day. With, manage, manage my words. Have an inventory. Be, 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 while, while you're talking to someone, you should be thinking about your thoughts. 
You should be, before, you say, before I say a word, I should think about the ramifications, the consequences of my words. I should have an, I had, and the, the better we get at that, the better we get at having an inventory of our thoughts. An inventory. Like, you should know, I should know what my thoughts are. I should know what I, what, like, when they, they're going, I should be having a conversation with myself while I'm having a conversation with you. But I'm thinking, I'm thinking, okay, let me think about the impact of these words. Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed how, how people do it, um, uh, who are paid, those people who are paid, they're paid to talk, and especially those who are, are excuse me, pundits. Exactly. And you ever notice, you ever notice how they will, they, they, they'll say something and they will manage their words well. As, so as to not get in trouble with the federal government. <laughs> so as to not go to jail, prison one day by saying something. You know, say, well, um, I don't recall you telling a story. I have no recollection. I, 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 um, I did smoke, but I didn't inhale. <laughs> all, all of those are, are word people who live by words. People who live by words, they manage them. They think about what they're about to say because they know I could get in big trouble. I could get in trouble if I miss these words up. That's why you can go to jail, prison, if you perjure yourself. So you just come out and you just come just short of a lie. That's what the Fifth Amendment is all about, isn't it? I plead the what? I plead the fifth because I don't want to talk. I don't want to incriminate myself. Because that's the power of words. Life and death are in the what? The power of words. It's a global principle. All right, let's look at a little more. I'm, 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 I feel like I'm about to convince, or the Spirit of God's about to convince some of you all. Let's keep on reading. Let's go to, um, let's see here. Yeah, Romans chapter 4. Romans 4. Do I want to go to Romans 4 first? Yeah, let's just, because I said so. Let's go to Romans 4 first. Listen to this. Now, there's a man who, uh, uh, Charles Caps. many of y'all remember Charles Caps. have been around for a little while. Charles Caps wrote, he's got books, little, little mini books and large books on words. And one of the things that Charles Caps says, one of the things Charles Caps says is, uh, I tell my people they can have what they want, but they are saying what they have. He says, I told my people they can have what they, no, what they say, excuse me. I told my people they can have what they say, but they're saying what they have. Anyone, anyone get that? I tell my people they can say, they can have what they say, but they're saying what they have. What am I saying in that? Look at Romans 4. Everybody say, I'm in the life class today. This is, this is life, isn't it? Right. 
Let's start at uh, verse 16. It says, so the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it. Whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. Now, first of all, was Abraham a Christian? He was not a Christian. Was he an Israelite? Benjamin says no, and I'm going with Benjamin. He is Jewish. No, he wasn't even Jewish. He became the father of that nation, but at the time that God was speaking to him, he was not. Okay? He was just a person that God chose and picked out and said, come here, boy. I'm going to work my plan through you. So he wasn't anything at the time, though he became the father of the nation of Israel. But he wasn't at the time. So Benjamin is correct. He was not an Israelite because the nation of Israel had not been formed yet. He was a solo guy. He was by himself. Yet in these particular scriptures, we see something very strong here. Because God did make covenant with Abraham. And he says, and he told him, and God told Abraham that he would be what? The father of many, right? Of many nations. Okay? So, so he's really as much Jewish as he is, Gentile as he is, everything. Because God, that's, that's, he, was, he represented mankind. It says, <clears throat> It says, and we, all, and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. If we have faith like Abraham's, if we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. Not just the nation of Israel. He's the father of all who do what? Believe. All who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you a father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life and who creates things out of nothing. He creates things out of nothing. Now, here's the rendering of this scripture that I like best. If you look in the New King James Version, it says, verse uh, Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who contrary to hope and hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. What he had promised, he was also able to perform, who did not waver at unbelief. All of these things are attributed to Abraham, and what he attributed to him more than anything is that he believed God. He said he believed God, and it was, it was apportioned to him or was given to him rightness with God because he believed God. What did he believe? That he would be a father of many nations. And what, what God said to him, and, and sometimes you can, we can say, well, you know, he was out there with Methuselah. No, he was way behind Methuselah. 
back in the years when they were living 900 years and 400 years and 500 years. So it wouldn't seem like 120 years would be all that significant. But it is significant because he was after the curse, long after the curse had, had, had come upon the earth. Methuselah and all of them, even though they were after the flood, their, their lives, uh, actually, they were, let me, let me make sure I'm, no, they were before the flood. After the flood, things changed and lifespans shrunk. And so Abraham was righteously, he was, he was probably still strong, but he was still 100 years old. Do you, are y'all hearing me? He was still 100 years old. And initially, the promise of having a child was so ridiculous that both he and his wife scoffed over it, laughed about it. And Abraham said, how can this be since I've never had a child before? And my wife has been barren for years. But he believed God. And God counted to him as righteousness. And he began to do what God did. God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. So every time he heard his name, he heard what? Father of many nations. Father of many nations. Father of of many nations, father of many nations. He heard his name, and because he heard his name, he began, every time anyone said, Abraham, every time he told someone, my name is Abraham, my name is Abraham, my name is Abraham, he was saying, I'm a father of many nations, and eventually it built up on the inside of him, so much so, and his likeness was the same as God. He began to call those things which be not as though they were. My people are destroyed because they have a lack of knowledge on how to use their words. Speak in life. Don't side with your ailments. Don't, don't give in to, well, my mama was like, died over that, and my daddy died over that, and, and all of those. No, you, spe- you, you have a covenant with God. You believe God, and because you have believed God, it is now accounted to you as righteousness. And so we begin to speak the word of God over our lives every single day. Claim your divine help. Claim what God says about you. Say what God says. Call those things which don't exist. Who don't even, you can't even see it as though they were. Speak. Speak to that which is deficient. Speak to that which is lacking. This is a law. This is a principle of life. It works if we will work it. This is not, oh, that's what they teach over in the charismatic circles. Oh, this is what they, they teach in other. I, sometimes I, that, that, just, that just irks me because it's, 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 it's not allowing people to grow in faith. It's not that they can't believe is that they won't believe unless, we, unless they hear teaching because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. People are, are trapped in darkness not because they don't have the capacity to believe. It's because they don't hear faith on it. 
And God says, I take the foolish things to confound the wise. It's not good to be wise in this world and a fool towards God. I would much rather be wise towards God and a fool in this world. Call me what you want. But when I'm speaking to the elements of my life and the situations of my life, because the word of God says it, is there a higher authority? Are you a higher authority than God? Though you go from to a, this church, go, though you have this many degrees and nothing wrong with the degrees behind your name, but you are not as smart as God. So it makes sense for us. It makes sense for us. To take God at his word. What did you say, God? Did you say that, God? It don't make no sense to me. I don't understand why that is. But I don't understand this watch around my arm either. Yet I'm using it. All I need to know is what God said. Let's look at one last scripture. Listen to this. Listen to this. Are you all ready? Look at uh, Matthew. Matthew chapter um, uh, 9, 8, 8. Matthew 8 and 5. Listen to this. Here's a guy. He's not, a, he's not in covenant with God. He just knows that there are certain principles of life. There's laws that govern life. And so he operates in this, in this law. Listen to this guy. A centurion, a warrior, a fighter. Probably got all kind of blood up under his, in his, on his hands of people he had taken out. Uh, and his regiment has. Listen, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and, and in terrible pain. Now, now, take it out of the realm of religion, right? This is not a Christian story, right? Jesus said, I will come and heal him. In other words, I'm available. I can come over there to your house and take care of him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. So he was even, he was even a conscious of, of the blood and the, the, the things that he's done wrong. But he knew a law. He said, just say the word from where you are. And my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers. And I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and it, they go. And or come and they will come. And if I say to my slaves do this, they do it. Where did you get this from? Because it's a law of the universe. Then Jesus heard, when Jesus heard this, he said, mm. that's what he said, Judy. He said, mm. <laughs> he said, he said, he was amazed and turning to those who were following him. He said, I, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And, and I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at his feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those to, for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. The young, man, the young servant was healed that same hour words he sent his word and he healed us he sent his word and he healed them he sent his word and he healed them what what kind of situation what type of servant see this was he came on behalf this wasn't even blood relation 
It was, it was intercession by the centurion. The, inner, the, the centurion interceded for his servant. He stood in the gap for his servant. And he said, my servant is at home. And I need that servant to be able to work. And to, I, I, I have an a, a affection toward that servant. That's a good servant. But don't come to my house. Things aren't quite in order there. I got blood on me. I'm not worthy that you would come under my house. I wake up. He said, but, but speak the word only. What are we doing when we're praying? We are standing in the gap. We are interceding. We're speaking the word. When you got an issue going on in your life and you need some intercession, you need somebody to speak the word only, put your name in that box out there and let us go into intercession for your loved one. We'll speak the word over them and we'll see them well. We'll see them healed because we've seen it happen. All God wants is to get involved in our lives. But he has to have permission. And our words give him permission. That's why intercession is so powerful. It gives God an opportunity to work on behalf of man. Even when they don't even know how to reach God for themselves. You've been listening to the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast. A ministry of New Day Christian Church please visit us at our website at www.newdaycc.com. Again, that's www.newdaycc.com. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please tell others. And if you ever get the opportunity, please come visit us at New Day Christian Church, 